Top stories of the week. Scott Morrison unveils the worst flood disaster management plan since Noah. Also, Putin bans Facebook in Russia, instantly increasing popularity worldwide. And Omicron had a baby. A very, very bad baby. This is News Weekly, and to be honest, I didn't even think we'd make it to March this year. So, humanity's had a pretty good run. Hello, I'm Sami Shah, and this is News Weekly, where we punch the news in the headlines weekly. Pork barrels full of flood water news now. Australians tired of watching news about coronavirus variants and the invasion of Ukraine can now take a break from pandemics and World War III to remember that climate change is still probably going to kill us all if the other two threats don't. Despite water receding about five metres overnight, Lismore is still submerged. After yesterday's extreme rainfall in Sydney, there are now concerns over damaging wind gusts. There's a major flood warning for the Hawkesbury and Nepean Valley this morning. Homes destroyed, roads flooded, 22 lives lost and tens of thousands forced to evacuate. This is an Australian tragedy that cannot possibly get worse. Prime Minister will visit flood-hit communities in Brisbane today. Ah, fuck. The Prime Minister did indeed emerge from a COVID-induced lockdown to visit families and businesses in flood-devastated areas. And for once, the cameras weren't there to watch him, as highlighted in the Sky News report. This time visiting flood-hit homes and residents without the media there to capture any controversial comments. In disasters like this, not everybody wants a camera shoved in their face. Except the only person really worried about a camera shoved in his face is Scott Morrison. It's not just me noticing that either. Here's David Pembethy, a News Corp columnist, talking to alleged canine enthusiast Chris Kenny. Yeah, and look, I think after what happened to poor old Scott Morrison after the bushfires, I'd, I'd change his sentence somewhat. I think that the last person who wants a camera stuck in his face in the midst of another natural disaster is Scott Morrison, exactly. more so than the people of the Northern Rivers. But <laughs> he's just got to be hoping that we don't have like a, a plague of locusts or a giant tornado or something between now and whatever date it is in May because his strike rate hasn't been that terrific. And you can understand <laughs> his offsiders trying to shield him from humanity as much as possible. <laughs> he needs King Canute to hold back the tide. Another natural disaster will come his way. Ah, yes, because the real victim in these tornadoes and plagues of locusts is Scott Morrison, who looks bad in front of the media. And besides, the people making him look bad, they're all Greens voters anyway, at least according to David Pemberthy. Let's not forget that northern New South Wales, there's uh, more than a few people out there who weave their own yoghurt and... <laughs> you know, make their own socks out of macrame. There's no shortage of Greens voters up there. So there's a whole stack of people who will be salivating at the prospect of seeing Scott Morrison wander down the driveway, offering them a helping hand, only so that they can turn around and give him a free lecture about emissions targets or you name it. Um, that might be why when the disaster relief funding was announced, most of it went to towns and suburbs that voted for the coalition government. Here's Lee Sales asking the Deputy Prime Minister, Barnaby Joyce, about just that. The Prime Minister's announced additional disaster relief payments. Residents of Ballina and Byron can't access them and they're in a federal Labor seat. But people in the neighbouring national seat, which takes in Lismore, do get the extra. How do you, how do you figure that? 
Well, I don't think for one second there's some form of parochialism where payments are being withheld from places because of the you know the way the electorate votes. And I think but, it, but how do you explain frank, it? Uh, it's well, I, I just it, I know the 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 in inference behind that, and it's wrong. We, we, we make sure we look after all Australians. How dare Lee Sales imply the government shows a bias in who it gives money to? This time. This time, they're helping all Australians. Not like, you know, last time. The Morrison government has been accused of pork barrelling on a grand scale after it was revealed almost $2 billion in taxpayer-funded grants was pushed into coalition electorate. Or the time before that. From fancy conference centres to toilets at a luxury golf course. Soccer goals, even an extension to a chook shed. Projects paid by the taxpayer, all in government seats. All right, fine, but that was just standard electioneering stuff. It's not like they dole out this kind of preferential treatment after a natural disaster. Under fire, accused of neglecting devastated communities. Why didn't they get a dollar? John Barillaro shrugs off claims the government played politics. We make commitments. You want to call that pork barreling? You want to call that buying votes? 24 projects in the Labor-held Blue Mountains were rejected. The bushfires did not politically discriminate. The projects they put up didn't meet criteria. How could you come up with criteria that exclude a part of the state that lost 6.3% of its economy? Okay, fine. So maybe that Channel 7 report found them being biased this time as well. But it's obviously not an endemic issue that they all just think is totally okay, like there's some sort of sociopaths, right? And even if they did, surely the former Premier of New South Wales, the same state that suffered so much damage in the floods, wouldn't have just ad admitted to it. I think all governments and all oppositions uh, make commitments to the community in order to curry favour. Asked if using taxpayer dollars for political benefit is acceptable. It's not an illegal practice. Uh, unfortunately, it does happen from time to time. The Prime Minister's big announcements this week weren't just about bribing coalition voters to stay loyal. He also declared the flood hit areas in a state of emergency, something the opposition had been asking him to do for a while. Here's Labour Senator Murray Watt. But why hasn't he done it? He's been locked up in isolation, but he could have done it. Luckily, Scott Morrison knew who to shift the blame to. Well, the Queensland Premier was had every opportunity to write to me and ask me for to do that a week ago. And it's not his fault Anastasia Palaszczuk didn't ask him in a handwritten letter sealed with wax. Which, by the way, is different from the excuse Barnaby Joyce gave Lee Sales for why it took so long to declare a national emergency. Well, I know the people on the ground would be incredibly upset. They'd be very angry. They'd be frightened. They'd be... Uh, very apprehensive about the future. I mean, mostly they'll be busy salvaging their homes and mourning the utter destruction of their lives. But yes, I'm sure they're also having this existential crisis Barnaby is detailing. But what about the national emergency declaration? A, a, a national emergency, the, the, one of the biggest parts of it is to get through the bureaucratic process uh, in a more efficient way. Uh, the resources, of course, have been... Going, going into these areas, but to get through the bureaucratic process as the bureaucratic process becomes more pronounced than what we have to do as we go forward, then I think that it's, it's going to assist us a lot from here. That's good to know. That when shit hits the fan, bureaucratic processes will slow down any help we might need. Thankfully, this is unlikely to ever happen again. I mean, we are dealing with a different climate to the one we were dealing with before. I think that's just an obvious fact. Gee, 
I wonder why we're dealing with such a different climate. Any clues, Prime Minister? This is cold. Don't be afraid. The Don't be scared. Won't the Treasurer you. knows the rule on crops. It's cold. And we'll keep on mining. Of course we'll keep on mining. We will keep mining the resources that we're able to um, sell on the world market. It's a big green light for us to build more coal mines, supply the world more coal. Which really is such a mystery. Really, really is. Australia is becoming a harder country to live in. Scott Morrison saying that is like someone stabbing you in the stomach and then as you bleed out on the floor, pointing out that your stomach hurting so much will make dinner really awkward for everyone else. Now that the national emergency has been declared, funds can be distributed to the appropriate liberal and national voting regions, and the Australian Defence Force can be deployed to help, after being pulled out of the aged care facilities where they'd just been deployed to help. No wonder Scott Morrison announced an increase in ADF personnel recruitment. We need them to keep fixing all the problems his government creates. We greatly appreciate the extraordinary work they've done to support us in civilian tasks. But their first job is to defend this country and the decision that we've made as a government after much planning to lift our defence force to a whole new level is designed to achieve that purpose, to keep Australians safe. He forgot to add from me. The ADF increase is sizable, 18,500 new defence force by 2040 at a cost of $38 billion. He must really be planning on screwing up something big if he needs the ATF to increase by that much. Maybe he's going to just announce a sinkhole under Queensland. It would definitely increase his voter support in the rest of the country. Luckily, this increase in ADF funding doesn't have anything to do with the upcoming election and cannot in any way be used to attack Labour with. If we had kept Defence Force spending at the same rate as what the Labour Party left us, there would be $55 billion less spent in our Defence Forces today. That's right, $55 billion we would have just wasted on useless luxuries like, I don't know, aged care and flood mitigation, maybe? Join the Australian Defence Force. Fight Australia's biggest enemies. Privatise healthcare and pork barrelling. Tilting at windmills news now. The Russian invasion of Ukraine continues, with Russia declaring a ceasefire in some regions, then violating its own declaration like a Russian doll made of bullshit which has smaller and smaller amounts of bullshit inside. A ceasefire was meant to let civilians escape the southern city of Mariupol safely, but Russia's bombing of the maternity and children's hospital thwarted that plan for yet another day. Apparently Russia, which is continuing to claim this is a fight against Nazis, thinks it needs to kill children to prove to the world it's the good guy in all of this. And if that's not enough, Russia has all but confirmed the use of potentially illegal thermobaric weapons. The so-called vacuum bombs can vaporise human bodies. Thermobaric weapons use oxygen from the surrounding air to create a high temperature explosion. They also have blast effects that last for longer than a conventional explosive. Yet somehow, Ukrainians refuse to give up, fighting back with Molotov cocktails and excellent cursing. This man's sign is too vulgar to translate. Let those Russian shits come here, she says. We are ready to greet them. Oh, and that sign that was too vulgar for CNN? I looked it up. It says Putin is a dickhead. Not that Putin would find out, because he's criminalised any public opposition or independent news reporting about the war, 
Which is exactly the kind of thing a dickhead would do. Putin has also, according to this report by Russia Today, banned Facebook, or Meta as it's now called. Russia slapped it with a blanket ban, confusing some and surprising others. Putin banning Facebook because it's allegedly spreading disinformation might be the first true defense Facebook has against that criticism. The global communications chief of Meta and former deputy prime minister of the United Kingdom, Nick Clegg, issued a statement. Soon millions of ordinary Russians will find themselves cut off from reliable information. It's Facebook. You can't find reliable information on Facebook unless someone's selling it used on Facebook Marketplace. Meanwhile, as the shelling and fighting continues, so do the streams of refugees seeking safety. More than 2 million refugees have fled their homes, according to the United Nations. Although Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky is staying right where he is, trying to shame allies into doing ally stuff like providing air support. Poland created a plan to send that air support through NATO, and the United States rejected it. So when will this decision be made? We have a war. We don't have time for all these words. This isn't ping pong. This is about human lives. The problem there is Americans don't really play ping pong. So that analogy won't work for them. Zelensky needs to find something more relatable for the average American, like beer pong. That would have gotten even Biden to wake up. It's not just air support. Zelensky is also hoping the British will provide humanitarian aid, which is not something the British are really known for doing. Later, President Volodymyr Zelensky will plead directly to UK MPs at his request. In an historic first, Ukraine's head of state will be hosted inside the main Commons chamber by video link. He's expected to ask UK lawmakers to do more to help, as the UN believes the number of those fleeing the embattled country will hit 2 million today or tomorrow. It started when Prime Minister Boris Johnson made a pledge to the Ukrainian people. I say to the Ukrainians in this moment of agony, we are with you, we're praying for you and your families and we are on your side. Ah yes, the thoughts and prayers level of help. On the doing things scale, thoughts and prayers is above looking the other way and whistling awkwardly, but below actually doing anything at all. Ireland has accepted 2,200 refugees already. Even France has accepted 2,500. Germany, of course, being closer to Ukraine, has accepted 30,000. The UK has issued, so far, all total, 300 visas. Yup, 300. There are more Russian oligarchs in Chelsea flats than there are refugee visas being issued right now. See, the thing is, to get a UK refugee visa, Ukrainians have to go to Calais, where there's a main route to the UK. Preeti Patel, the Home Secretary, claims she's assigned staff to urgently process more visas. It is wrong to say that we are turning people back. We are not. I have staff in Calais. We have surged staff in Calais. The Home Office has a team of people in Calais. Except when the BBC sent staff to Calais, this is what they found. This, it appears, is the British Surge, three officials, a box of ready salted crisps and some Kit Kats. Crackers and Kit Kats. To be fair, that's some of the best of what British cuisine has to offer. We should be grateful it isn't spotted dick and black pudding. This hasn't stopped Boris Johnson from reaching over his stupid fucking hairstyle and patting himself on the back. No country in Europe has done more to settle vulnerable people uh, since 2015 than the UK.
I mean, it's patently untrue with Sweden, Germany, France and many other European countries doing significantly more than the UK many times since then. Maybe in the UK, more means less. You know, like how homely means pleasant in England and it means ugly in America? Same thing. The real concern is that things are going to get a lot worse before they get better. Even Putin is now giving speeches about how Russian soldiers aren't dying in vain, which is exactly what you say when they're definitely dying in vain. I would like to address the mothers, wives, sisters, brides and girlfriends of our soldiers and officers. Wait, what about daughters, nieces, first cousins, second cousins and kissing cousins, which is definitely a thing in Russia. I understand how you worry about your loved ones. You can be proud of them, just as the whole country is proud of them and worries about them together with you. Let me emphasize that military conscripts do not and will not participate in hostilities. There will be no additional call-ups of reservists from the reserve. That means there's definitely going to be reservists and conscripts called up pretty soon. Unless they've got no women in their lives, orphaned single guys, they're totally safe. The real question everyone has, of course, is what will happen next? Luckily, former US President Donald Trump was on a Ultimate Fighting Championship-related podcast, I'm not making any of this up, the other day to offer his insight. What do you see happening next then? Because it seems like the tensions are high. What? How does this all end? Is this going to be like a long-term thing? How do you see it unfolding? Well, I, and I said this a long time ago, if this happens, uh, we are uh, playing right into their hands, the green energy, the windmills, they don't work. They're too expensive. They kill all the birds. They ruin your landscapes. And yet the environmentalists love the windmills. And I've been preaching this for years. The windmills, and I had them way down, but the windmills are the most expensive energy you can have. Uh, and they don't work. And by the way, they last a period of 10 years. And by the time they start rusting and rotting all over the place, nobody ever takes them down. They just go onto the next piece of prairie or land and destroy that. It's incredible that they want, but other forms of uh, green energy. That's right. Sentient rotting windmills rampaging across prairies. That's what's next. Lord, just take me now news now. Don't worry about the windmills, though, because there's a new COVID-related threat again. State health authorities admit they are concerned about a recent spike in local COVID cases. It's understood a sub-lineage of Omicron is now beginning to spread throughout the community. Sub-lineage? Now we got to worry about the son of Omicron? It turns out while we were distracted by, you know, natural disasters coupled with man-made disasters like invasions and war. Oh, and did I mention there's no power in Chernobyl, which might lead to massive radiation leaks? Anyway, that's a whole other thing. Covid's been plotting its comeback tour. Here's New South Wales Health Minister Brad Hazard, whose inability to ever give us good news seems linked to his last name. While the community might have gone to sleep on the virus, the virus hasn't gone to sleep on the community. The virus is still out there. Maybe the trick is the community and the virus need to sleep with each other instead of on each other. That's right, let's have some sexy time with COVID. Let's make Omicron Omicom. So there's a new sub-variant, BA2. Here's Dr. Marianne Gale, Acting Chief Health Officer. BA2 uh, has evidence of being more transmissible. Um, it can infect people quicker. Including those already infected. Well, there we have it. Wars, floods, plagues, 
Anything else, 2022? Health authorities are on alert after Victoria's first death from a locally acquired infection of Japanese encephalitis. A man from the state's north died from the mosquito-borne virus yesterday, less than two weeks after the disease was detected in Victoria. Japanese killer mosquitoes? Hmm, I'm not even surprised anymore. That's it for this week's edition of News Weekly. Thank you so much to everyone who's been listening and promoting the podcast. We have cracked the top 100 of iTunes. That is a miracle that this tiny, ridiculous podcast that I do once a week is becoming so light. I cannot tell you how much it means to me. If you want to support the podcast, and I really do hope you do, because it is a lot of research and work. I spend like at least a day and a half on just this episode alone, uh, which is, I know, I need to streamline my work process a lot more. But if you do want to support the podcast, please head over over to patreon.com slash Sammy Shah. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com dot C-O-M, I guess. I don't know if anyone doesn't know how dot com is spelled. Slash Sammy Shah. That's S-A-M-I-S-H-A-H. You can throw a few dollars my way and help this podcast continue on its journey. You can also head over to thesamishah.com that's T-H-E-S-A-M-I-S-H-A-H.com and find tickets to my Melbourne International Comedy Festival and Sydney International Comedy Festival shows. The shows are called Unappreciated soon hopefully to also be coming to Perth and other cities. Right now Melbourne and Sydney are on sale so please buy those tickets. Other than that, okay I'm done selling things to you. I apologize this suddenly turned very very mercenary and extremely capitalistic. Thank you so much for your support. I love all of you and I'm ever grateful that you listen to News Weekly, the podcast where we punch the news in the headlines weekly.